0: This is the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.
1: It's the Blood Red Podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Four points off pace in the race for the top four. Liverpool head to Manchester United as Klopp looks to stop. Old Trafford wait for a win. Coming up, we'll get into the Reds' fading Champions League qualification hopes. Injury latest on Matip, Van Dijk, Gomez and Henderson. Plus, we'll bring you our usual team selector and match predictions. Here to get into all of that, our Liverpool correspondent Paul Gorse, Chief LFC writer Ian Doyle and David Lynch. Guys, I hope you're all well. Uh, Gorsi, I'll come to you first. I've had a couple of weeks off. I don't think I missed much in the time I was away. Or was that about the Super League? But uh, anyway, following that, it's been a really, relatively quiet week for the Reds. It has. uh, Probably not a bad thing, really, when you think of all the hullabaloo that
2: followed the Super League round for an incredible 48 hours and then continued to linger. It was good to see um, people starting to get back to the normal, actual nuts and bolts of football, wasn't it? You know, the, the actual sports that um, used to be OK, but this season has been pretty terrible. Um, so, it's yeah, it's a bit of a humdrum week, really, which is crazy when you think that Liverpool are heading to Old Trafford um, on Sunday afternoon, normally a game that um, is built up more than any other, the two most successful sides in Britain, um, biggest clubs, two of the biggest clubs in the world, going head-to-head. And it, it doesn't really feel like it, does it? Because Liverpool bit of an outside chance at top four, probably gone now, hasn't it, with the draw at Newcastle last week. United more than one eye now on the Europa League, and, and they're pretty much in the final for that, and now that they're unlikely to finish um, ahead of Manchester City, so it's all a bit, um, you know, a um, bit sterile, which, which, you know, obviously there'd be no fans in there as well, so that adds to that kind of feeling, so... Um, a weird one when you think of how big the game is and how big it should be. The fact that there's not too much um, build-up going on at the moment, but that has been a symptom of Liverpool's season, that they will be desperate to hear the final whistle for in about three weeks.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, Dorley, for, as Gorsley says, Manchester United v Liverpool, there's normally such a buzz around this fixture, I suppose, for this one. There's not even so much as a hum, is there? It doesn't seem as to feel as though that it is this game that we've got upon us.
3: How is that different to any game that's happened this season, really? How is it any different to any game, no matter who's playing? It's just the same nothingness, the same vacuum of nonsense that now uh, that awaits <laughs> us. Yeah. See, I thought Ghosty was, yeah. was quite for Ian Doyle. I thought was quite downbeat, so I thought, yeah, hang on, he's challenging me here, so I'll have to. Wrap it up <laughs> <another day."> um, <laughs> but uh, no, I'll be honest. I'm actually quite looking forward to it. quite quite looking forward to seeing Pandemic FC in action again. Because I think if there's uh, if there's one team that's benefited most from nobody being there to put them any kind of you know psychological or mental pressure, it's Manchester United, which we have spoken about this loads of times, haven't I? If they have had any sense, they would have won this league easily. United, it was the chance, and they've blown it. They've blown it. And I've been no, you're laughing, Lynchy, but we had this conversation in, in October, November, and you all laughed at me and said, "Oh, United are rubbish. They've got no chance of winning the league." Well, hang on, look who's second and is and he's gonna finish second. You know, the only team that can stop Man City still it's there. City were always going to win the league, but if United were going to win it, it was this season. I just think they've completely blown it. And you also have to bear in mind, oh yeah, they might win the Europa League. Why are they in the Europa League? Because the rubbish in the Champions League. They got knocked out by a Leipzig team that Liverpool beat 2-0 home, well, in Budapest and in Budapest, home and away. <laughs> um, but, and, and, and this is a local team that, let's be honest, has been absolutely rubbish since 2021. So, you know, and Leipzig are I think I'm right in saying that they're second in the Bundesliga and Bayern Munich lost at the weekend, did they? So I'm not sure whether Leipzig won or not. But the point being there that, you know, I know it's I know it's easy to say this is a nothing game. I actually don't think it is. I think Liverpool still think they've got a chance of getting into the top four and they won't give it up. I also think United will not want to lose the league by getting beat by Liverpool. So I think they'll be, I think this could be quite a tasty one because I think there'll be a few a few scores to sell, Um I think Liverpool were a bit unlucky to lose the FA Cup game, weren't they? Back in back in January, me and Paul were there for that one. I mean, the nil-nil against United at Anfield that underlined why United if well aren't going to win the league because they were too scared to even have a go. And that was kind of the start of kind of the first time we really saw of Liverpool. Hang on, what's going on here? This isn't quite going to plan. So I think there are you know there'll be a little bit of edge to it, even if there's nobody there. but yeah, that's. Uh, I, I just think you know, who
1: cares? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right. Yeah, catch you next week on the. No, I'm <laughs> I, don't, I, don't mean, I don't mean who cares in the sense of who's
3: bothered, but more in the sense of we've just been doing this all season, haven't we? I actually, think, I genuinely do actually think there's a bit more on this game than the previous commentators yourself, Guy and Paul, have actually made out.
1: I actually think it's quite an important game. What do you make of it, Lynchy? How important would you say it is?
0: Um, I, I I don't know because usually in this situation, I think you, you'd say for Liverpool, there's there's nothing really riding on it because I think even if they win this, I still think top four's out of the reach. They just haven't been good enough and, and put together consistent runs of results enough. So, so from Liverpool's perspective, you'd probably be saying, okay, well, if you can't get top four this season, this is a big chance to make a statement. Okay, we'll we'll be better next season. You know, they, use it as a springboard towards next season. But I don't really even think it's that because. I think Liverpool's failings are going to be there to, to be seen again. I think they're going to st- they're going to have the same issues they've had since half of the centre half knocked off, or more than that, three quarters of the centre half options knocked off, injured. And those issues are still going to be there. And, and, and even if they get a win, I don't think they can use it in any way because the team's going to be sort of composed slightly differently the next season. It's you know I think there's going to be changes there. And so. Uh, I'm not sure it's useful to to Liverpool in that sense and obviously if you're Manchester United it's not useful because they're never going to close that gap they aren't going to win the league they aren't good enough. And um, so there's that so it's uh, yeah I I don't think there's an awful lot riding it on it for either side personally and I, I I just think it's it's one from Liverpool's perspective where they'll just be thinking Okay, we know we've got problems this season. You know, we've, we've got injuries, and we're, we're not going to be back to our best. Just try and get out of there without a, a, a defeat, and try and put in as good a performance as possible. Because they've been they've been dreadful at Old Trafford down the years. Even when they've gone there, absolutely flying, they haven't done them themselves anywhere near justice. So, I think that's that's probably the main aim. But I don't think it's I don't think in the long term that the result will will matter too much, which is probably a good thing for Liverpool. Because I don't I don't hold that a lot of hope for them to be honest this weekend.
1: No, Doyle, I'll just come back to you, sort of, on Mm. how important the game is is and things. And you're saying there, this scores scores to settle things. I think it's six visits to Old Trafford for Klopp yet to win. Is that more what it is, that individual basis? Or do you think they've still got a chance at the top four? Because they're eight points off Leicester City with five games to go and four points off Chelsea. They've only sort of been able to string three wins in a row together. That's been the best run of the season that they've had, obviously, recently before the two draws and the first three games of the season. So do you think top four is still a realistic option.
3: Well, let's let's put it this way. In the last couple of weeks, Chelsea got beat 5-2 at home by West Brom. West Ham got beat at Newcastle. Um, Tottenham just were Tottenham. And uh, and you've seen Everton can't really do, do anything at the moment, really, in terms of actually getting consistent wins. Although they'd beat Arsenal. That's not too hard, is it? Let's be honest. Um, but yeah, I think if you... I actually do think... They do, but they'd have to win this game. They have to win. Simple as that. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure whether or not Everyone remembers this, but back in 2004, kind of the same kind of scenario. Liverpool were kind of outside the top four and things weren't looking great. And then they went to Old Trafford towards the end of the season and won 1-0. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was a penalty. Pretty was a penalty. And they ended up somehow scraping into the top four. I mean, I think they're in a worse situation now than they were then going into that game. But there was the same kind of feeling like, oh, we've got United now and we never win there, even though they'd won the last couple of seasons before. And I think, so I do think, it's not all over yet, but I do think they have to win at United. And if they don't, it would take some really, really weird things happening for Liverpool to get into the top four. And as Klopp said, after the Newcastle game, if they don't get there, the, it's their own fault, they don't deserve it.
1: Yeah, Gorsley is sort of a rock and a hard place for Liverpool, isn't it? Going to Old Trafford as well, because if they win, they could effectively, well, more than likely will hand Manchester City the title, albeit Liverpool haven't been able to win it for weeks. And obviously, if they lose, that definitely will be the sort of final nail in the Coffin for finishing in the top four.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with Lidger there when he says that Liverpool haven't done, done themselves just as at Old Trafford when they've gone there in, in better form and, and in better shape than, than they were on Sunday. I think back to last year, last season when I think it was maybe the ninth game of the season, Liverpool had won every single game beforehand and United were in a, in a bit of a state of flux as they um, seem to have been for so long within maybe the last six months or so and Liverpool froze early on that day and, and um needed a last minute equaliser from Adam Lallana to, to save them a, a point. And um this Liverpool team on Sunday is nowhere near as good as the one that was that was playing, you know, 18 months ago. It's not even as good as the one that was playing six months ago, is it? It's just the faces are, are the same but the form is is markedly different. And um without a win at Old Safford since twenty fourteen, I think, when Louis Suarez and, and co rocked up and won three nil. Klopp hasn't won there in, in half a dozen games and and he thought he had actually, he, he mentioned it in his press conference today, he said, well, what about the game in, in Europe? And he was referencing obviously the Europa League game in 2016 on St Patrick's Day that was actually drawn, but Liverpool went through. So um, that was about as close as they've come on the Klopp and, and every other time they haven't really got near them. Um, so that has to change if Liverpool have got any chance of finishing in the top four. It's obviously... An outside chance now there are 15 points left to play for and they could be seven behind chelsea by the time they, they play on sunday with uh chelsea playing fulham on saturday night so um look if they're going to do it against all logical um comprehension then they're going to have to win out there. and klopp's been saying today that they need five wins from five and they need to rely on one or two others to slip up as well so that's going to be um what it's going to be and um it's you know, it's undoubtedly the most difficult game of the run in. Um it's probably the most difficult game of, of any season really for Liverpool going to old Stafford. So um something needs to change if they are to have any hope of finishing in this top four.
1: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Lynch, have you any sort of Explanation Any reason for why it is Liverpool haven't won at Old Trafford under Jurgen Klopp, or is it a case of sort of having to take each game in sort of isolation as to why that's played out, or do you think it is a sort of psychological barrier that that may well be appearing there? Because it's not since the days of, of David Moyes that Liverpool have won at Old Trafford.
0: Yeah, well, I think, I think in the early days of his reign, um they, they seemed to sort of perform better there just in the sense that I think their role in the game was, was a lot clearer so they would go there as, as the underdogs and United were slightly better and even though Liverpool were, sli- were improving under Jurgen Klopp, they were, you know, United were in a better position at that point and I think they, they tended to play better because the, the the brief was so much clearer which was basically, you know, Jurgen Klopp football, it's purest defend deep and in numbers if you can and then break at pace and, and you know, and try and press up high if you can and and so I think they found it easier to sort of imprint that game on United really. And and, and although they didn't get a win in that time, they, they they did play slightly better than they have recently. Whereas now it's they've been going there, and, and as Ghosty mentioned, you know, been there going there as favourites and in a lot better. Nick than United going to Old Trafford and being asked to dominate is a, is quite a difficult thing to do because not a lot of sides do it. And I don't think Liverpool have ever looked quite comfortable with that really. And I think. You know the, the the crowd is is obviously a, a, an influential factor. I think in in previous seasons, I think you know you go in there and seventy six thousand. It's it's always a big atmosphere, isn't it, for Liverpool turning up there? And I do think as much as we can say that Anfield is hugely or, or makes a huge contribution to Liverpool performances. Sometimes I do think that happens. You know when you go to Old Trafford and then you've got that many home fans who don't want you to play well, they can influence you, and I think that happens. So so I think it's a combination of those two things is being. In the side who go there and look to dominate and then having all those fans on your back, I think they found it difficult. What you know might that might make it slightly easier for them this time, not having the fans there. Maybe Liverpool can go there and and they can also play that that natural game a little bit more of, of, of allowing United maybe to dominate possession and, and capitalise on their mistakes. That that actually might work quite well for Liverpool this time and, and hopefully we just see a better performance in the last couple of seasons because they just they just haven't been very good there.
3: Liverpool yeah. being Liverpool being rubbish at Old Trafford is nothing new you got to, you know, me being slightly older than the rest of of you, even when Liverpool were good in the 80s, they never won at Old Trafford. They didn't win for, what was it, 10, more than 10 years between 1990 and 2000. And I think this is just at the top of my head. I can only think of four wins there in 35, 36 years. That might be
0: wrong, but it's, think, it, it can't be many more than that. Yeah, I, but I think what was probably most disappointing about it was that, that Liverpool had been going there in recent seasons and have been the far better side. I think all through the 90s, you can say, okay, well, Sir Alex Ferguson was there, Liverpool weren't up to much at all. And so you probably expect them to have that terrible but, record, but it's the best ones.
3: Yeah, sorry. So what about in the 80s? In the 80s, when yeah, Liverpool were yeah, miles well, the best team, it was exactly the same then as well. I mean, yeah. it, it just always seems to be a way that Liverpool. They just, you know, United always want to beat Liverpool, basically. And, and for whatever reason, Liverpool just have never really been able to, to get to grips with them very often at
1: Old Trafford. What do you make, though, of the point you made before, Doily, of the, the crowd not being there? Um, Manchester United, when they arrived at... Anfield in, in January seem to be wearing this sort of unbeaten record they've got away from home as a badge of honour and really didn't want to seem to lose in, in that game. All four of their Premier League defeats have come at home this season, including against Sheffield United. So, if any season, this is the season, though.
3: Well, you'd you'd think that if Liverpool had half a team, but they've got about a quarter of a team at the moment, depending <laughs> on, as Gorsley said, even the people who are there aren't really there. So, you know, it's it's yeah, in some ways, yeah, it would have been a good time to play them, but... You know, I think any kind of advantage that Liverpool may have had from no fans being there has been taken away by the fact that Liverpool's centre-backs aren't there and the strikers are there in spirits, kind of thing. So, not in body, I should say, not spirit. So, yeah, no, I just think, well, we'll come on to the, the predictions in a bit, so that'll be interesting.
1: Yeah, Jurgen Klopp was asked that, wasn't it, Jorstie, in the press conference, whether this was kind of the ideal time for Liverpool to play Manchester United, sort of the fact that they really do need to go for it what what do you make of that? Is it the ideal time with everything on the line that Liverpool have to be winning these games that now is the time?
2: Yeah, I suppose they're just going to have to go for it, aren't they? One way or another and, and somehow try and get a tune off of Sadio Mane and Roberto Firmino and, you know, Mohamed Salah will be a threat as he has been all season. He's, you know, 29 goals for the team who've been struggling for, for the past, what are we on now, for nearly five months. Shows you what an incredible campaign he's had. So, um. Yeah, it's it's tough, isn't it? And, and I, I agree with the point Oli was making about United being able to benefit from the fact that they haven't got seventy odd thousand United fans in there. At some at some point, because I think it suits Salskar, particularly in these these big games to get his get his men behind the ball and and be stubborn and and um, durable and just kind of see it out as best he can and and try and nick something on the counter and and we we saw that in the FA Cup game to be fair you know with the the threat of Rashford on that left hand side you know Liverpool were always susceptible to the counter attack when Alexander-Arnold went forward and um, I think that is going to be a big part of the game that that, that area of the pitch with it sure and Rashford up against Salad and Alexander-Arnold it's kind of you know do United hold the nerve and, and keep Rashford forward or there's that Alexander Arnold stay back a little bit for fear of of that counter attack and um, I think that is where the game's going to be won and lost. But um, I think if Liverpool, as I say, that you know now's as good a time as any to just go for it. You know, Jürgen Klopp always says let's have a proper go for it, and, and that is is all that Liverpool have got left.
1: Lynch, I'll come to you with this one: is it chance for Trent to put those Trent can't defend sort of? shouts to bed we obviously know what happened at Old Trafford what was it 2018 Marcus Rashford turning him inside and out I suppose if he comes up against him in this one and keeps him quiet then all of a sudden the narrative gets completely wiped away
0: yeah I feel for Trent a little bit and that that seems to be a defining moment in his career for a lot of people particularly those who who don't watch Liverpool frequently I think it you know that that Perception about his defensive capabilities has really sort of risen from that that game where he where he did get sort of torn apart by Rashford, and I think you know that's unfortunate because he, he's come a long way since then, and um, and that sort of stuck with him despite his improvement. And I think obviously that that says a lot about the size of this game typically and how much focus there is on it that 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 game is sort of stuck in people's minds so much so it's a, I suppose you know I, I I don't think he'll be seeing it as a chance to prove anything because I think he's proven enough and I think we had, we had this discussion didn't we around the time that he got left out of the England squad he, he, is a, he is a capable defender and, and he's brilliant at everything else as well so I don't think he'll be looking at it as a personal chance to, to prove anything I, I just want to see him play well there I, I, I don't you know he's another one of the Liverpool players in, in most of the squad like we've mentioned do have have not particularly shown themselves in the best light at Old Trafford so i think him as much as anyone they they just want to just want to put in a better performance than they have in recent years
1: yeah, certainly. Uh, of course, you just going back to the sort of press conference and mentioned it at the top. Jurgen Klopp was asked about sort of injuries and latest. Obviously, the four mentioned at the top Van Dyke, Henderson, Gomez, and Matip all back out on the grass, but obviously still some way from returning. <laughs> it's already with five games left of this season, looking ahead towards next, isn't it?
2: Yeah, uh, and it has been for some time, I think, hasn't it? Um, Henderson's an interesting one because initially, when the when he had the injury, you know the, the noise was that it might be six to eight weeks, and, and it's coming up to to around eight weeks now. And I think if Liverpool lose on Sunday, it might be a case of them just saying, "Oh, do you know what, Jordan? Just get yourself fit for for pre season. It doesn't really matter now." Um, Klopp's always maintained that he was hopeful of having Van Dijk, Gomez, and, and Mata fit for pre season, and and I think that'll be crucial to Liverpool getting off on the right foot next season if with all three of those we've got a full full their uh, preseason schedule behind them or as, as close to a pre-season schedule as you're allowed when, when you're not allowed to go jet setting and whatever else. Um I think I think that'll be crucial for Liverpool next season have having those three to pick from um and obviously having Henderson back as well. But it's um it's a bit, bit of a shame that we're, we're still in April and, and we are already looking long and leaning t- towards next season to see what what can be achieved there because it's just um it's it, it, just it's been a, it's been an awful season as I do you, you know me and you we go to these games and no one in there except that all you can hear is the thud of the ball and, and the shouts from the bench and uh, it's just not the same so hopefully next season is is a return to some sort of normality both on and off the pitch and, and go from there because it's um, it's been a year to forget for Liverpool and. It's been a while, actually, since we've been able to say that when you think that they had the Europa League final, they were going for the top four, they've had Champions League finals and then they were going for the leagues and they obviously won the league last season. So probably since Brendan Rodgers' last full season in charge that um, it's been as kind of despondent as it is at the moment um, and they're just kind of lurching towards the end. Um Hopefully that can all turn around with, with a couple of, Good results this weekend, but um, they're really up against that at the moment.
0: The Blood Red
1: Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Sticking with the press conference, uh, Doyle, and Jurgen Klop was asked about Champions League qualification and trying to buy players for next season, how important that might well prove to be. Do you think there's much need, though, for a mass overhaul in the transfer window, or is it a case of get these injured players back and all of a sudden you've got sort of that heartbeat of a team that? went to two Champions League finals and won the Premier League?
3: Well, the only way they can do an overhaul is by spending money. And I think, as we've seen over the past week, they haven't got any. And it's not, just, it's not just Liverpool, it's all the teams. And, of course, if you factor that in, then how on earth is anybody going to move anywhere if no one's got any money? You know, don't want to go back to the Super League, but, you know, Real Madrid show the hand a little bit, so I'm not sure they're going to be buying anybody major anytime soon. So, same with Barcelona. So, I don't know. I mean, I would expect... There's not going to be a big revolution, no overhaul anyway. I don't think that's not Klopp's way of doing things, is it? I mean, he's, he's always had a constant evolution. There's, funny enough, there was only the season after they won the Champions League that he didn't make any kind of major, major signings. And look what happened. They ended up winning the Premier League with 99 points. So that kind of worked. I mean, you forget that they actually spent, not you don't forget, but I think that a lot of people don't realise that they actually, in terms of players coming in, they, they bought the left back, which is what they needed to help. Andy Robertson but you know he got injured and he's clearly having his own issues getting to grips with Klopp's style of play. They brought in a, a midfielder a world-class midfielder who got injured and is having you know trouble getting to grips with Klopp style of play and uh, and then you've got a, a forward who got injured um, and fortunately he's slightly better at Klopp style of play because that's the kind of player he is but I know Lynchy has slight reservations when he plays down the middle uh, in terms of keeping the ball and that's something that that'll have to come but he's Liverpool have spent months, have brought in players over the last 12 months but they're going to have to bring in two maybe three more you're looking at a center back I've not even mentioned Cabak he, he could be one that comes in if they make it permanent they'll probably need a midfielder with one out going they'll need a forward so you know there is business to be done there but as you know as Jurgen Klopp said look if we don't get into the Champions League it's not going to make much difference because it was going to be really difficult to sign any players anyway I think he's he's been fairly straight down the line with this all the way through and Obviously, and I completely forgotten about this. You were thinking of well, Lovren paid for Simicass, uh, but Rian Brewster paid for Thiago, didn't he? I've forgotten. He went for twenty three million pounds. So you do wonder which players are going to go. You could uh, you could say Nat Phillips might go, if he have got so many centre backs, and he's probably tripled, quadrupled, quintupled six times. <laughs> Couldn't think of the word for that. Um, his, his his value. Um, on the basis of his performances this season. So it's... But then again, who's going to pay the money for him? This is the thing. It's not just Liverpool. It's all of them. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. I think we might see a lot of low moves, a lot of clever moves, like the Jota one with the... What was it? uh, Lynchy... Gorsley. What did he say? Four million up front, was it? Four or five?
2: Uh, Yeah, yeah. That was the way it struck you. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And the the thing about that is that they'll have to start paying more of that this summer. So all the teams will be in that situation. So... I am expecting a lot of creativity in the transfer window, but there's not going to be any Mbappe or Haaland or, or anyone of any kind of 50, 60 million note coming in, Any presumably most clubs.
1: At least we got the pessimism back before the end of the. That's the not podcast. pessimism. No, I'm, I'm, that's I'm, really only I'm, I'm only whining. I've just, <laughs> just said they're going to make, they're going to sell
3: quite a few players, and they're going to make signings. What more? What more yeah. do people want? They're no, making signings. They want. They want Mbappe. <laughs> they want Holland. Yeah, that's what. i well, we well, yeah. What? Um, oh, what? Apparently, like
2: you know, <laughs> really? I, <laughs> I, no, mean, I, was, I think the interesting thing with Liverpool this summer will be, since since Red Bay have come on board, the noises have been whoever you're speaking to, it's going to be kind of business as usual. That seems to be the, the phrase that you're hearing a lot. And it's, uh, you, you look at that and think, what what does that mean then for Liverpool? Is it business as usual? As in 2019, when they signed Harvey Elliott and Seth Bandenberg and Adrian on a free transfer, or is it business as usual of 2018 when they brought in Navigator, Fabinho, Alisson and Virgil van Dijk six months earlier? So, quite what business as usual means for Liverpool this summer will be an interesting one but I think um, it's going to have to be more um, on the 2018 side. I don't expect them to go and spend £200 million this summer but looking at the squad there's there's several players whose best days are probably behind them now at Liverpool and, and there's still probably saleable assets um, so if Liverpool can raise some money for them on top of what the income will be, and you know the the, the general transfer budget, then Liverpool might have to um, to go and bring in some top quality this to summer in in more than one area.
1: Ed's message something on YouTube whilst we're recording for those who are listening uh, to us on the, the podcast channels, but Ed's put. Cater has been hopeless. And just thinking, obviously, Cater hasn't had sort of the, the greatest of seasons, Dave. But in terms of someone like him and Liverpool, of course, spent an awful lot of money on him. I know it's not anything like what FSG have done before, but would they some maybe have to consider losing money on a player, but to get some funds in to then go and spend on others and just cut their losses? Yeah, but I, th- I think...
0: Well, with with Keita, it's an interesting one because he's he's two years out from the end of his contract. So typically, if Liverpool had been happy with what he'd done over the last three years, he would obviously be, be offering him a new one and, and opening talks over that this summer. The fact that there's no indication whatsoever that that's going to happen sort of tells you that you know that they're biding the time with him to seeing how things play out. I think in terms of using him to raise money, I think that's going to be difficult. His, his fitness record uh, over the last three years has just been been woeful really hasn't it in in terms of when he has been fit his performances there's been some good ones some not so good ones you know really mixed bag and you know I I don't think he's lived up to to expectations at all or or really got close to that so I think I don't even though he's two years away from his contract and, and, and yeah Liverpool would possibly consider taking a hit I just think it's unrealistic to expect that anyone's going to be coming in with anything close to to an acceptable fee, even something that you would consider acceptable within taking a hit on him, it, it, uh, he's not a player I look at as someone they can use to to raise funds this summer. But I think I think Michael Edwards would be confident that there are other players he can use. Shakiri's obviously desperate to go. There's links with with Italian clubs coming up uh, recently, and I think it makes sense for everyone for him to move on. It was, you know there, w- there was interest around him last summer, but I think I think that's finally going to come to something concrete. And and again, you know, Liverpool will probably say, okay, we can. We don't have to get 25 million for him this time. Let's be realistic about it. Um, Divacarri, is in a, in a similar position. He's probably going to move on. Uh, there's some wages freed up by Aldums, likely move away. Um, so I think there's I think there's room for manoeuvre. I think there's some players they can they can shift and, and get some money in, and, and I think they can they can do enough business. And I, I think they don't have to do an awful lot for me. I, I think going into this, obviously, centre halves desperately needed. We've seen that this season. A midfielder is probably likely if if Wijnaldum moves on and, and there is European football being played at Anfield next season. And then obviously, if Origi and Shakiri do move on, then a, then a forward will probably be needed as well. So I think that's three players they possibly need, but but nothing nothing major. They don't need to do huge surgery to the squad. Um, I think it's it's just you know bits and pieces like they did last summer really, which was was a player in every part of the pitch. They do that again. I, th- I think they'll be sorted and. Then, all the stuff that's come out you know, since the season's begun and, and, and things have started to go really wrong for Liverpool. Some people have written, you know, oh, why wasn't Jürgen Klopp back? It's absolute nonsense. Um, I, I think uh, nobody said that in the summer, did they? I think Liverpool's business on paper looked absolutely fantastic um, in terms of what they'd signed. A really promising forward, a, a world-class central midfielder and some backup in defence. It just hasn't, you know, things haven't quite worked out for them. I think if they have a similar summer this time, um, you know, I don't think anyone would be saying, oh, oh they need this, this and this, or, or they have, the manager hasn't been backed. I think just some small tweaks like last summer and, and, and Liverpool should be in a position with those injured players coming back to, to challenge for trophies, I think.
1: Yeah, Ed's got back in touch, says so sorry to cater in, in case he was watching. I'm, I'm sure he is. Ed, he does but, watch. Uh... He does watch. Yeah, he's, just, yeah. he's renowned for it. He's
3: renowned
1: for it. Yeah, no, I just, uh, and to be honest, I, d- I didn't really want to single him out, even thinking of someone like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Of course, £35 million was spent on just whether or not FSG would consider sort of taking a hit on a player. Um, before we get into the match then itself and get into our team selector and, and match prediction as well, of course, Steve, just something to sort of throw at you. The, um, the West Brom game's been rearranged and it looks as though we are going to get fans in for perhaps the final few games of the season and maybe there for the last game of the season at Anfield.
2: Yeah, well, um, there's no coincidence that Liverpool's best performances around Anfield this season have come with with the fans inside. Um, Wolves, was it Wolves? It, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah Wolves, Tottenham, yeah, West
3: Brom. We won't, we won't talk about and West, West Brom. Brom. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we
2: won't talk yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean it's obviously going to be at the Hawthorns, isn't it? But um, if, if there's, um, was it, is it 500 away fans? Is is that yeah. what the number? Yeah. I mean it's... it. Uh, yeah. Better than nothing, isn't it? I mean, it might might not necessarily be um, the 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 deciding factor in the game, but it'll it'll, it'll be good for the the players who haven't had any fans to cheer them on for um, for five months now. So um, yeah, it's good and great for for those who get the tickets in the ballot to to go and see their team in action again ahead of what uh, will hopefully be. of the to packed stadiums in in the coming months. Um, let's hope that is continues to be the way forward. I and think I suppose, it's
3: actually I was going to say yeah. I think it's actually the Burnley game that's got moved. They've moved Burnley to to a midweek, uh, which means that that's after the May the seventeenth cutoff. And I've done a done a, just done a piece where if you if you crunch the numbers, you'd have about two hundred and seventy Liverpool away fans if they allow away fans in, because while the government have said yeah you can have five percent of the capacity away fans for these final two games of the season the clubs have to agree with it because obviously say Liverpool for example the last game of the season Crystal Palace they're going to get 10,000 in there but they'd have to give 500 to Palace fans and it's whether or not the clubs go well actually our fans have been cut out like Crystal Palace fans from Sellers Park and that they can't go to the you know they want as many basically home fans in as possible I mean personally speaking I, I can see the arguments both sides but I think the clubs have to decide over the weekend whether or not they're going to be okay with allowing the uh, away fans in. So there is a possibility that the Liverpool Travelling Army could have, say, 270 at Burnley, or maybe I think it's the 18th or 19th, the empty side of the date, and then you've got 9,500 at the very least uh, at the home game against Crystal Palace. And then, of course, everyone goes, oh, brilliant, football's back, and then the season ends.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, was, yeah, The uh, the Burnley game initially was scheduled for the yeah. like, 15th, wasn't it? So West Brom's move behind that. And then I think it will be the, the 19th, as you say, that Burnley likely to be rearranged. But Lynchy, obviously, it's not been as big an impact as the injuries that the squad has had. But there being no atmosphere and no crowds in sort of the, the uh, grounds has certainly had an impact, hasn't it, for Liverpool?
0: Yeah, without a doubt. I think, particularly with how tiring the season has been, the moments and games where Liverpool have just looked like they needed that crowd boost to, to sort of get them over the line, and they just haven't been able to find it. Um, you know, I think about some of the performances from so Mane and Firmino. We talked about them a lot in their form and how they struggled. I just don't see how that would have been the same with supporters, and I just think they've, they've massively needed that energy in a season that sapped so much from them, um, and, and it's ruined the spectacle as well. It's like course, he said earlier. You know, just what you know, listening to the the ball being kicked about and 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 shouts of man on and stuff. It's just not as appealing as as the roar of the crowd. It's not as interesting to write about. Um, you know, it doesn't even look as good on, on, on telly either. And and you know, you, you talk about the Super League proposal. That was one of the things about that they'd seemingly ignored the importance of getting fans in the ground. And yeah, it's just I just think football's poorer for for it really. And and let's hope that get to the end of the season and it just never happens again. I think there's nothing really that should stand in the way, you know, fingers crossed of, of us having full houses from the start of next season and, and what a relief that is because it's it's just been dreadful. Um and, and I think all of us, every fan Everyone who watches the Premier League will be looking forward to to seeing the proper proper fans in and, and hearing the songs and, and actual reactions to, to when the ball just goes wide rather than the, the guy <laughs> pressing the button in the studio. <laughs> so, normally yeah. about five seconds late, like yeah. just yeah. put down for a goal kick. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and singing songs about the ref and, and things like that. So looking forward to all that.
1: Yeah, no, it will be. It will be good. The delayed, yeah, crowd reactions. You wouldn't want to be on that job, but yeah, it is. It is funny you do see it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Anyway, let's get into the uh, the game. Then let's do our team selector. Uh, uh, you can kick us off. We'll go with Alison as the uh, the goalkeeper back for. What are we saying? Because there's been a bit of a scare around that Phillips no? Well, it's,
2: it's more than scared. It doesn't look like he's going to be involved. So uh, that is a is a bit of a hammer blow to Liverpool to be honest and that that fact alone probably tells you how mad that this season's been that you've been sweating on the fitness of Nat Phillips um so I don't know what to do to be honest um I don't I'm really hesitant to play Fabinho at the centre-back just then. throw
0: yourself in ghostly. go on lad, you
2: yeah it yeah I'll bring me boots um <laughs> Ben Davis, is he, is, he, is he a thing? Is he a and <laughs> <more? laughs> You're
1: telling me there's a chance that Ben Davis can play? I
2: mean,
1: He's on the bench maybe, last game. Well,
2: yeah, maybe this is his chance for his David.
1: I mean, I'd rather have Ben
2: Davis than Reese Williams. Um, I, I just don't want Fabinho to buy. I read your piece earlier this week about that and I couldn't agree more. It's just never ever. That is just a, you know. Avoid at all costs, not that he's bad there, but it just takes so much away from him in midfield. So, go on, then we're throwing in Ben Davis alongside Kabak and um Alexander Arnold and Robertson. So, that's centre back partnership number 21 for the season, I think.
1: Craggy Doyle, what
2: about yourself?
3: Um, Alexander Arnold, uh, Robertson, Kabak, they're all playing. Uh, I <laughs> Thing is, Reese Williams played at Old Trafford, did the FA Cup, and he had an absolute nightmare, which wasn't entirely mm-hmm. his fault. But that does and that but that will prey on his mind a little bit out of thought. Although I think the last game he played was Fulham, wasn't it? Is that right? Him and Nat Phillips started the Fulham game and he did okay. I know yeah. Fulham won, but he did okay. But I don't know. This would be a difficult one to throw him back in for that. Ben Davis, again, how can we say? You know, Reese Williams can't throw him in and then put Ben Davis in for his first ever Premier League game against the United team who just scored six on Thursday. Um, I'm afraid it's going to have to be Fabinho. Sorry.
1: And they've got, obviously, at the top end of the pitch, Cavani, who, of course, won that free kick late on in the FA Cup. But, uh, yeah, he won the free he's... kick,
3: correct. Yeah, he did win it, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Raise eyebrows for those who were just listening to to the audio. But, um, Lynchy, what about yourself for the back four?
0: Yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen Ben Davis in the last couple of games just to, to sort of with this in mind and easing him in and, and giving him his Premier League debut. But the fact that that hasn't happened, I think it's going to be Fabinho. And I, I don't think it's the right choice, but I, I, I just can't see the manager going with, with Ben Davis' Premier League debut at at Old Trafford I think it's you know it probably puts too much pressure on the players so as much as I'd like to probably see him in there is just to change things up and I think it's yeah Fabinho alongside Kabak at Centre half.
1: well as yeah. always says this is this is where we pick our team don't pick the manager's team yeah well that's it if, I, <laughs> if it was
0: me if it was me getting to pick the team which would be a, a laugh well it is uh, <laughs> it is, it is. It it is, it is, it is. this is the whole yeah. God, thank God I don't actually have to do it I, <laughs> I, I would pick Ben Davis.
1: Right, oh, there, so, you in. In then, he?
2: there you go. He's yeah, in there, not he? Yeah, he's in there. Yeah, yeah, go see midfield. Uh, well, Fabinho's in there. Um, I think Milner's been okay lately, actually. Um, I worry about Thiago occasionally. I do think sometimes. Pace of the game takes him by surprise a little bit. I think we'll see the best of him next season when we've got a proper team.
1: Uh, Wijnaldum and Milner. Wijnaldum. Wijnaldum and Milner nearly tongue twister there for me, but uh, Dolly, your midfield. Can, can you go on to Lynchy while I have a bit of a think about this? Please. Yeah, okay, yeah, because yeah. you put uh, Fabinho in well, if,
0: so. yeah. if, if it's my team, then and I'm, I'm putting yep. Ben Davis in there. So obviously, Fabinho is in central midfield. I think, yeah, quite, I quite like to get James Milner in there for this one. I think it's a big game. Um, and then it's between Wijnaldum and Thiago, and I think. Again, the manager would go with Wijnaldum in that situation, but I think I just want him to have a week off and have a sleep and just just chill out because of how much football he's played. So I'd probably put Thiago in there.
1: Where's Curtis Jones at the moment? Is he out? He's, as he's well? in. He's in my team. He's
3: in he's my, in my your team. team. Is where he is? He's in, yeah, your team. Oh. he's in my team. That's where he is.
1: That's the problem is. is,
3: I've been trying to work out the formation because I'm very much now of the opinion that if the forwards aren't scoring, just don't play them. Right. So um, <laughs> yeah, um, um, I, I want to get Milner, Thiago, Jones and Alden all in there. Right. I want Diamond. them all in there. So I'm trying. Well, I don't know what kind of formation because Salah's got to play. But I'm not ruining the rest of the team. And I haven't quite decided what I'm going to do with the other one up there. So I'm, that's, there's at least four in midfield and then come back to me for the <laughs> forward line.
1: Oh <laughs> who, who, are you, who are you for in midfield again? Did you say Juan
3: Alden Milner, Tiago, and Jones? That's a lot of midfield. Right.
1: Yeah, that is Saint Helen's answer to Pep Guardiola trying to just work it, work <laughs> it around for the big game of the season. But uh, goes to your forward three then.
2: So um, therefore, one it's it's who's been who's been the worst for me and our world <laughs> Um.
1: Well, who's been the least worst? Yeah,
2: uh, against me, me better judgments. I'm leaving Jotter out I'm going to go with Mane, Firmino and, and Salah Jotter right. for the last 20 minutes or whatever
1: Okay Lynchy yourself
0: I, I think Gorsi being conservative like the manager would there um,
1: That's not I, his you're saying that's not his team <laughs> Yeah it's,
0: of course that's Gorsi's team of course <laughs> um, Yeah I think i said before that I think Firmino is just too crucial to pull out of there in, in, particularly in big games where you want to keep the centre-halves busy so he starts Mo Salah you can't drop him so it's just a choice on that left hand side. And I think again, if I'm going to drop Wijnaldum out of my team, um, then we might as well give Marnie a rest because he's played too much football as well. And I feel sorry for him. So maybe start with Jota.
1: Right, okay. Doyle, you're not you're not starting a up with Salah, are you?
3: No, he's injured. Oh. That's ridiculous. Come on, guy. Honestly, keep <laughs> up to that. I know you've been off for two weeks, but you must know that, surely. Um yeah, the, okay, the team, I've kind of worked it out in my head now, so let's try and put this into actual English words. Um, you know, Jurgen Klopp always says he hasn't got enough English words to describe certain things, and I'm struggling with my extensive <laughs> vocabulary to decide what I'm going to do with this team. Um, but, right, so I'm going to have, in the midfield, Milner and um Milner and Wijnaldum, Milner, right. Milner and Wijnaldum will be whoever's the deepest. Curtis Jones is over, kind of off towards the left, Right. Salah is on the right, Wijnaldum is kind of in between those two and Firmino's up front. But, I thought Wijnaldum
1: so, was holding in midfield with oh, Milner. Sorry,
3: Tiago Tiago's the other one that he's played. Basically. And who's the so you've got, through the
2: middle?
1: So you've got
3: Wijnaldum and Wijnaldum and Milner in, are at the back and you've right, got Firmino yeah. up top.
1: Right, right. And then yeah. you've
3: got three more players. Curtis Jones isn't so much on the left wing but kind of left ish midfield. And then you've got Tiago in the centre and then you've got Salah on the Right.
1: Yeah, that's so not kind
3: happened. of a 4-2-3. But it's a, it's a team that will certainly, United will be thinking for the first 15 minutes, what on earth is going on? Where's Jurgen Klopp gone? Why is this bald guy in charge? What the <laughs> hell is going on? I'm just, is he rating the players as this game's going on? Is he just trying to? You
1: know, what's... <laughs> is that what is that what they do with a notepad? Brendan Rogers is always <laughs> right. Match predictions. Let's, let's get to that. Uh, Lynchie can kicks off. What's the score going to be?
0: Well, obviously, if you pick my team, they would win handily. Um, but I think Jurgen's going to pick his team, and therefore, I think um, I, I'm not. I don't hold that much hope for this. I think United are going to get a penalty and probably win three-one.
1: Right. Okay. Ghosty.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm reluctant to say Liverpool are going to lose, but I think this might be one where they will. I think, I think they'll put up a little bit of a fight,
1: but I think they'll lose two one. Come on, guys! Sheffield United won at Old Trafford. Liverpool can do <laughs> True.
3: it. True. Liverpool will win three two. I think United. <laughs> United are, and I've said this. I've said it. Start. I think they've been the biggest fraudulent team of this pandemic. <laughs> And uh, in terms of in terms of they've kind of been the positive to what Sheffield United have been the negative. Sheffield United have massively lost out through the, the no fans and weirdly through the three subs rule as well. If they'd have been able to make more of that, then I think they'd have had a better chance of staying up. What is it? well, you know that that's an irony there for you. Um, but yeah, I do think that I think you know, on a serious point, I think United, while they did win six two, I think that kind of took a lot out of them. I think Liverpool will have prepared very well for this game. You got no excuse in that regard. I don't think Nat Phillips will be missed as much as he would have been against Leeds and Newcastle, provided Liverpool don't give away some stupid like you know, United don't score a lot of headers from what I can recall. Even Harry Maguire doesn't score that many coming up. So as long as they can cut out those kind of daft set pieces, I think there's gonna be a game where Liverpool's shots all go in. The last one was was when they beat Palace 7-nil, which was a bit ridiculous. I'm not saying Liverpool are gonna beat United 7-nil, but I think if they can get one where they get the nose ahead early on i think united will think will hang on we do want to win this but we've got a big game coming up next week we're a little bit tired and it'll just play in the mind and uh, i think Liverpool will win 3-2 so they
1: from a hugely illogical team to an illogical description <laughs> as to why liverpool are going mean, to win because game.
3: absolutely everything this season has been fairly straightforward and has gone massively to plan hasn't it
1: yeah everybody expected <laughs> yeah. everything yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> very, very predictable season we all knew how it was going to play out anyway yeah. that's it from us for this edition of the Blood Red podcast make sure you check out everything the Echo has to offer on Sunday around the game in the build up and of course during the match as well we'll be back on the YouTube channel with a debrief after the game the post game podcast on our audio on demand feeds but from myself Guy Clark Paul Gorst Ian Doyle and David Lynch thanks for your time and your company Let's bye for now